Welcome to Dear Runner Bod, the pod dedicated to helping you embrace your runner's body. I'm Serena Marie RD, a registered dietitian and body image coach who wants you to stop dieting and start fueling the athlete within. While I am a medical professional, the information on this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not meant to diagnose, treat, or cure. Now, let's start rewriting your body's story. So I am super excited for today's episode of Dear Runner Bod, where we have my friend Sarah on to talk about her journey to making peace with her body. Um, Sarah is an amazing person to follow on Instagram, and I highly, highly recommend. Um, So a little bit about Sarah before we dive into today's episodes. Sarah Kramer is a registered nurse that transitioned into a fitness and body image content creator. After years of dieting, over-exercising, poor body image, and an eating disorder history, Sarah has overcome many obstacles, and as a result of hearing healing her own mindset around these things, she is now able to encourage other women to do the same. Sarah always says, exercise for reasons beyond the scale, which means exercising for non-aesthetic reasons. Her biggest reason for consistently showing up for runs or strength training sessions is to prioritize mental health, strength, and resilience. Sarah is married to her high school sweetheart, is a mom of two daughters, has a sweet tooth, and she enjoys Bravo TV. I can't wait for you to dive into today's episode with me and Sarah. So excited for today's episode of Dear Runner Bod with Sarah. Hello, Sarah. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. Sarah is, I know I always say this, but I really am so lucky that I get to have my favorite Instagram accounts on my podcast with me. And Sarah's podcast, or I'm sorry, Sarah's Instagram is such an amazing uh, account to follow because Sarah is just um, sharing all of this wisdom, like all of those things that you need to hear if you are on a body image journey and you are an athlete who is trying to just kind of leave all of that obsession with looking a certain way and really replacing it with focusing on those performance and, and mental health goals. So Sarah, I would love to hear a little bit about like what, where, like, where did you start? Were you always into fitness and kind of in this very like body liberation field? Or did you have a backstory where you at one time were really focused on aesthetics? Yeah, I have a history of an eating disorder as a teenager. And so I was very focused on aesthetics, my weight. Um, At that time, I was exercising solely to burn calories and to just maintain uh, looking a certain way. And so I had a very um, a rough relationship with food and with exercise and with my body. And so as I got into my 20s, I got through the eating disorder part, but that dieting and the diet mentality stuck with me all throughout my twenties and it was exhausting. And I thought, how am I ever going to be able to like get through this or get over this or, um, get through this big hump of it. And so I have two daughters and once they became toddlers, something clicked in me around age 30. And I was like, I can't do the dieting stuff anymore. I have to change. Like the change begins with me. And so um, my daughters were really the catalyst for change. And so um, that was, it was exciting, but it was really hard in the beginning. Sarah, do you think you realized when you were in your 20s and you were still dieting, 
that that was problematic? Like, did you think like, oh, I kicked my eating disorder and like I'm healthy now. I'm just dieting. Okay. You knew like there was still some toxicity there. Yeah. 100%. I have been a registered nurse for 16 years now. I have to think about it. <laughs> like do the math in my head. And so like um, rationally, I knew um, what was going on and things like that. But it was one of those things where it was like, I could um, rationalize anything I was doing to make it work for me. So like up here, I really knew what was going on, but to change the behaviors, that was really hard. That is so interesting to me because I feel like a lot of your story overlaps with mine. I had my eating disorder into my 20s, but then I would have these like spurts where I would think I was like recovered or doing better where I was just quote unquote dieting. And there was such cognitive dissonance for me where I would be like, oh, I'm healthy. Like I don't eat carbs and I'm a marathon runner. Like like it's so clearly not healthy and still disordered, but I just like, I couldn't see it for myself. And so I just kind of want to like clap my hands and be like, bravo to you that you like weren't fooling yourself. Like maybe you were stuck, but at least you knew like this is bad that I am like, can't stop my dieting ways. Yeah, definitely. It was this like push and pull a lot of times because for me, it was the type of thing where Monday through Friday um, until like, you know, dinner time, I was, you know, uh, quote unquote, doing good or, you know, eating healthy. And then the weekends would come, it would be completely different. Sunday night, I would have the guilt and I'd be like, okay, I'm starting over on Monday. And that just went on and on. And so it was this like up and down with mental health and it was so hard, so hard. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a hard journey, which is why I always say to my athletes, I'm like, we're athletes. I know we can do hard things and this is one of the hard things that we can do. So your daughters are born and it provides all of this like, what do you think, like motivation or just like the, the mother's love, like I'm not a mom, so like I don't get it. Like, well, I kind of get it, but you know what I mean? I don't really get it. Like, what do you think changed for you then? Um, I think that, so from the time that my daughters were born, like they were around me working out. Initially, I would take them as infants with me to the Y and they would be at the little daycare. And then when I switched to exercising at home, they would be downstairs playing. They would see mommy go downstairs. When I went downstairs, they knew I was exercising. So they were always around it. And I started to think to myself, like once they were able to talk, I thought, I don't want them to hear me saying and repeat certain things that I feel about myself or um, that negative body image type stuff. I It would pain me if they went through what I have gone through. And so that really got me thinking. And I was like, I, I just, I can't continue on this cycle. And it's weird. Cause like once I hit 30, I was just ready to kind of take charge of things in my life. It's the weirdest thing. It's like that decade came and I was like, okay, I'm going to take back some control and I'm going to chip away at this. And it started with me weaning myself from the scale. And so that was where I started. Mm, okay. So we start with 
changing our relationship with the scale. So this is, I actually have like two questions I want to ask you right now. And I'm like, which one should I ask first? So first, before we dive into like how you did it, because I think that's super helpful for anyone listening. I wanted to ask you, what do you think about, sometimes I will have um, clients tell me like, I, they, they are struggling with their relationship with their body. They're struggling, they're dieting, but they're like, I don't say it in front of my kids. Like my kids have no idea that I'm struggling with this. Like I never say I'm fat. I don't like my body. Like I never comment about food in front of my kids. Like they have no idea. What do you, as a mom with two little, with two daughters, like, do you think that's possible that those kids aren't picking up on something? Oh, they're totally picking up on things. They're mimicking those behaviors. So if they see, you know, you eating a certain way, then they want to eat a certain way. And if you're telling them like, you can't have this unless you eat all of this, then it's, it's that conversation. Um, and it's our actions speak louder than the words a lot of times. And so that was another thing. Like they pick up on those little things that maybe we don't think they're going to pick up on, but they're really smart. (laughs) Yeah. And like, I always, and I, again, like I'm not a mom and I don't have kids. So I, in some ways I try and like not step on the toes of moms because who am I? I'm not a mom. Um, But I can't help but wonder like, kids are watching your every move. And I just don't think it's possible for them not to be absorbing some of that toxic message. And I also want to acknowledge the fact that these moms are saying, like, I don't do that in front of my kids. Like, I do want to take a moment to be like, I'm proud of you for taking that step. Like, like I'm happy you're recognizing that you don't want to pass this on to your child. And like, I'm proud of you for taking those measures, right? And at the same time, I want to ask you, why aren't you protecting yourself, your body, the way you're protecting your child's mental health and your child's physical body? And so, Sarah, the fact that you were like, wait a second, we're not going to just put on an act. We're going to like do the dang thing and do the hard thing and break up with dieting. Like, bravo to you. I am so proud of you. Like, you go, girl. So awesome. Okay. So you started weighing yourself less. So why do we think that breaking up with this rigidity around weighing yourself? Like, why do you think that was where you started? What power was in that choice? The scale had a lot of power over me and it had a lot of power over my mood and it dictated my mood for, you know, 15 years. And so for me, that was something that I had to start with. Um, That thought of my weight um, weighing multiple times a day and thinking about that differently. And so when you have been weighing yourself multiple times a day, it is like this roller coaster that you may be having. If the number isn't what you think it should be, then your mood is one way. If it's a number that you perhaps are hoping for, your mood is a different way. And so a starting point for me was moving the scale from next to the toilet into a closet. (laughs) Because it was like, I didn't have that thought. I may have had the urge, but I didn't have that thought of every time I saw the scale. So I started there because that was such a big place where I was stuck. And I knew that I had to wean away from that. Yeah, I love that. I think it's so important for us to acknowledge that 
it was changing and affecting your mood, right? You could be having this like beautiful, sunny, wonderful day and you step on the scale and all of a sudden you're in a bad mood. And like, why are we letting this piece of machinery made in China like change our beautiful like experience of our day of our life um I I I see that all the time and you know sometimes I, I want to throw this in there because I think sometimes um the the breaking up with the scale it's very scary because it makes you feel like you're now no longer controlling your weight you're not able to detect the nuances and the changes in your body weight and that feels so scary for you um for for, for most people as they're breaking up with the scale I know that I remember back in my scale days, like there would be days I would step on the scale and I would weigh less and that actually would trigger a binge for me because I would be like, oh, like I'm so skinny today, quote unquote, like heavy quotations here. Um, I can just eat whatever I want today. And then of course, like I would overeat and that would make me feel really sick and that would have all these negative detrimental benefits or, or, or detriments to my to my physical, my mental health, my my emotional well-being. And so I really think here, the idea isn't that we're like getting rid of our control when we take the scale away. It's really that we're starting to learn how to like use the tool that is listening to our body to help us make these food choices and these decisions around our health. So, so did it take you, like what happened? Like you stopped weighing yourself as frequently. Was it like super easy transition now. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about like what happened next. That was probably one of the hardest things I had to do in all of this was breaking up with that. It it was not easy. It may sound the way I described it. It may sound like, oh, it was, I just put it in the closet. No, it, it was that fighting that urge and uh, like redirecting myself because it was so much part of my routine every single day that it was like, um, um, okay, I'm, I'm fighting this urge. Like I, I'm I walk away. <laughs> like it was so hard. It was so hard, like mentally and emotionally. And I thought, man, is this ever going to get like easier where I'm not thinking about it so much still. And it was like, you know, as time passed, maybe I would weigh myself once a week and then, um, the time would get longer and longer and longer. And so it became easier over time, but it was a process. It, it was not just snap my fingers. Do you remember like what you did to kind of help calm yourself when you were fighting that urge? Like, were there any coping skills or like distractions that you used to help yourself like get over that urge? Um, I, I don't specifically remember things. I think it was more just mental reminders about, um, my worth in general and how I had to start easing up with some of the rigidity and, releasing that control because it is definitely a, a control thing and wanting to enjoy and be present. And so it was more just like the chatter upstairs that I had to start quieting down. Yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, it's, it requires being brave. And I think like the point of the story is that there's so much like 
benefit and joy on the other side of it, but neither of us, and I'm sure anyone who works with food freedom doesn't want you to think that we're saying this is like a super easy snap your fingers, like get to the other side of the bridge type situation. So so we're we're letting go of control around our body. Um so what did you find? How did that like affect your day to day? If you think of those early days, like, do you remember feeling out of control now because the scale wasn't there to help you like stay within that like confines of that weight range? Yeah, it w- it was a place of discomfort, most definitely. Um, it was almost like kind of being a caged animal sometimes, like didn't know what to do with myself and that fear of weight gain um, was very strong still. And it was like, it was just hard. And I remember it being very hard. And my husband was a great support to me because he was the one person that I really leaned on. And I still lean on him, um, on, you know, days when body image is feeling really tough and stuff. Um, but talking to him about it and he was so reassuring to me and, um, just helped me through it. And I think for a while we didn't even have a scale. At one point we just didn't even have a scale and that that's a good thing. And I know I hear from a lot of people. I just talked to someone the other day actually, and she, she's so frustrated. She's like, I've been eating less junk food. I've been eating healthier. I've been exercising. And, um, I, the scale is going up and I said, get rid of the scale. And I reassured her and just said, you know, the scale is one thing. It is one aspect. It is not telling the whole story. And so I think that if we can kind of help other people through those things, that's nice too. And if you understand and can relate. Yeah. I I think it's really important to point out that you had mentioned like there are still days when body image is tough. And I feel like that can be really scary when somebody's like at the beginning of their body image journey and they're like, wait, this doesn't go away. Like Sarah, you're still struggling. Like, can you talk a little bit about how like your bad body image days now, how are they different from your bad body image days in your twenties when you were dieting? I think it's important to realize that we're human and that just because we, um, we can be light years from where we were and still it's still there. And so I don't expect it to ever go away for me. I'm very realistic about that. I, but I look where I was and I look where I am now and I'm really proud of myself. And so on those days, weeks, whatever it may be, I'm currently in a struggle right now, to be completely honest. I'm, I'm struggling. And I can tell you that you become way more resilient. And you start to realize that you can get through these times. Um, I do not revert back to my days of food restriction. That is something that I, I will not go back to ever. I may be struggling with body image, but I will not go back to restricting my food intake. I cannot, like I can't afford to. And so 
other people see these things within you also. Um, people who are close to you. My spouse sees, you know, how far I have come and he knows how to reassure me on those, you know, days or weeks, whatever. And so having like letting people in a little bit can be really helpful people that you trust, but it's okay that it may never go away. It's okay to understand that this may be an uncomfortable part of you. It's not who you are. It's just something you deal with. And so if you feel like, gosh, I just, I just don't know um, why I'm still struggling with this. Think about where you were, where you are, or if you're just in the beginning of it, know that with time, your thoughts will be less around that and more around other areas of life that bring you joy. And I think something that was really powerful that you said, you were like, even when my body image is bad, I'm not going back to restriction. Um, You said something like, I can't afford to do that. Like it's not worth it to me or something. And I think really what starts to shift here, because Sarah's right, like we're probably all going to struggle with bad body image days for the rest of our life. Like we have literally been indoctrinated into a very toxic culture. It's really hard to be 100% body positive every single day. And you don't have to have that be the finish line. That's okay. But like your self-worth and your value and how you love on yourself now is clearly different because you just said the bad body image doesn't spark restriction versus I know in my 20s when I hated myself, a bad body image day meant I need to punish myself. I need to work out more. I need to eat less. And like, so even though it's still this discomfort of body image, it is so different. And I think it's really hard to explain that when somebody hasn't made the shift yet, Sarah, right? But like, I'm kind of putting words in your mouth, but like, it isn't the same level of like this deep hatred and misery that it can be when you're recovered. No, no, you're completely right. Like you said it exactly right. Like going back to, um, your behavior changes over time. And so you start to realize like exercise sucked when I was just trying to burn off calories and it wasn't enjoyable. I didn't look forward to it. Um, when you start to heal that and look at exercise as a health tool and all the benefits of it, you start to change the way you view it. And so you show up differently with exercise. So it's not about punishing yourself for whatever you ate. Um, you start to look at food differently, like some foods fuel the body, some foods fuel the soul, and combining them all is where the joy happens. And so it's knowing that like little by little, you start to chip away at these things and your mindset isn't going to change all at once with all of these different areas. But once you start like focusing on little things that you can um, work on, it makes a huge difference. And then down the road, you'll look back and you'll see. So don't expect it to happen just like magically. Like a lot of times we're working through years and years of certain habits and behaviors. Yeah, it's it's not going to be an immediate shift and I I do think that's really important and I think and I think this goes for any goal we set in life like we all want that immediate sexy like 
pop the pill, have the result type situation happen. But I think we all also on some level know that that's not – if it's too good to be true, then it's it's not real, right? And so just kind of having this expectation. So we talked about how body image days are still – like they come up and that is normal. How about your – um? So when we're giving up dieting, we are giving up this control over our body. We're giving up this like power of controlling our body. And so how is that for you nowadays? Like, do you still, like, do you feel like you miss like having that level of control over your body? Like, how has that evolved? I don't miss it at all because it was so stressful. It was so exhausting And it just took the pleasure of eating and exercising away. Like everything revolved around it. So going out to dinner was stressful. Um, Being out of town and not being able to prepare my own food was stressful. Like everything was stressful around that stuff. And so loosening the reins and not being so rigid is just like a breath of fresh air. It's like, okay, my shoulders can relax a little bit more. I can go for a run and not be so consumed about the amount of calories I'm burning and like really enjoy the run. Um, I can go for walks. I can eat brownies. I can, you know, do all of these different things, but I can also eat salads because I like them, not because I have to or anything like that. I can have things that I enjoy and that nourish me and move my body in ways that feel good versus from a place of like discipline and as if I did something wrong. So it's very freeing. Yeah. It's almost like those moments where you would see the number on the scale and like get that victory feeling in your your body you have to also be realistic and remember all of that came with what Sarah was just describing, like the exhaustion, the the rigidity, the lack of enjoying your life. Like, is it really worth the trade? Like, I mean, you get to decide, but obviously Sarah and I would say no. Um, okay. So how about your relationship with exercise um, when you started recovering? So I love your account because I really love how you um, – you know, you love fitness. And like, I, when I'm scrolling through your reels, I can tell like there's joy there and there's mental health benefits there. And like, you're doing it because it's making you feel good. Um, but I, I think it can be this really tricky thing to relearn coming from the background you're coming from. So, so what like did that look like for you? Were you able to easily like transition into finding a routine that just felt good? And like how how like was there a period of time where you stopped exercising? Like what did that look like for you? There wasn't a period for me where I stopped exercising. I know for a lot of people that can be a very important piece to take a break from exercise um, for different recovery reasons. Um, For me, I did not. What was important for me was to take rest days and to give myself permission to take rest days without feeling guilt, without feeling like I was going to gain weight or that I wasn't working hard enough or whatever that may be. I stopped pushing so hard because I was 
pushing hard. And so that also looked like shortening some of my workouts, not doing such high intensity workouts, um, easing up. It was really about easing up for me. And because my body reacts now, I know like how much exercise and what kinds I can do to not exacerbate fatigue and things like that. Back then it didn't matter. I pushed through when I was sick, I worked out when I, you know, I wouldn't skip. And so it was the permission piece for me and allowing rest to be part of the equation. I love that. Yeah. I, I, I can see that in your content, how it's not about the pushing. It's about how it's making you feel and and the benefits it's giving you. So as we're like kind of getting to this place where, you know, you are more recovered and you are feeling like your relationship with food and your relationship with your body is this less extreme relationship. Um, this, I think this feeling of like figuring out how do you push yourself enough to get those like athletic gains, quote unquote, or like performance, you know, like we're, we're, we're still ambitious. Like we're still competitive. Like we want to get stronger or get faster, like whatever your goal is. Right. How do you, Sarah, temper that so it doesn't become this like extreme thing again and it kind of stays into this like um, separating? How do you stay consistent even when you're not motivated but not like waking up that mean girl who's like obsessed with over-exercising? So I tend to run three days a week. I strength train three days a week. I love running outside and I live in the Midwest. And so the weather's getting cooler and pretty soon it'll be winter. So then I do more kickboxing. I know for me personally, about three days a week running is my sweet spot. If I run more than that, um, my fatigue starts kicking up. Um, other health type stuff starts um, increasing and I pay attention to that now. And this is what I've learned for me. Other people, they can do things differently. That's fine. Um, But I think it's about paying attention to your body. So I listen now and I pay attention to those cues within my body. And I know that going a bit slower can be very beneficial for the body and slowing down. So actually this summer, I started slowing down my runs. I started not pushing so hard. And I went, I was working on um, easier paces and I can see how that has benefited me, how that benefited my fatigue. And so that compassion piece comes in again and that not wanting to punish and be like, you have to go hard, you have to go fast. Um, Ignoring the outside noise a lot of that's really why I don't pay attention to other people's paces and I don't necessarily benefit from seeing those things because this is my journey. And I think when you focus on your journey, it makes things easier. I really like that answer because I think we could spin it two ways, right? Where you also at the same time were saying like, I know three days a week of running makes me feel good, right? And so like, I guess, Sarah, if you were to have a day where you're waking up and you're like, oh, like I don't feel like running today, but like it is your third day of the week running. Is that kind of how you say like, hey, Sarah, you know, 
that usually running three days a week makes you feel good. So let's just like get on there. We'll take it really easy. We can cut it short if it really doesn't feel good. Like is that kind of how you're um, playing around with like not making that such an extreme commitment but still honoring what feels good in your body? Yeah, I think it depends. Um, If my fatigue is really high that day, then I'm not probably going to do a run. I'm going to do something different. Uh, So being flexible and pivoting and knowing that, you know, maybe I don't get three runs in this week. Maybe it is going to be two. Life goes on. We're all going to be okay. Uh, That's a big part of it. Maybe I have an extra strength training session or I walk on the treadmill or I... God forbid, take a rest day, another rest day. (laughs) I mean, and sometimes it's hard. Mentally, it can be hard. Like, oh, I wanted to get that third day in, but it's okay if you don't. Life keeps me. Yeah. And I I think this is the hardest thing to teach, right? Because like basically what we're saying is it depends, it depends, it depends. And if you're sitting there trying to like get some – you know, um, recommendations of how to structure this like new way of exercising, you might be like, oh, this is so frustrating. Um, But I really think what it comes down to is doing what Sarah said in the beginning, which is learning how to check in with your body and figuring out like what makes you feel good. And then you can literally, like I always say to my clients, like we don't have to get it right. Like when we first start exercising, like you might at first run four days a week and be like, oh, you know what? This actually doesn't feel so good. Let me try three days a week. And then maybe you do three days a week and you're like, oh yeah, you know what? This does feel good, but like I am itching to do something else. Like, and then you add a day of, you know, walking or hiking or Zumba or whatever. But like, it doesn't have to be like, I think so often we get in our head that if we don't do it perfectly from week one, then like we're going to give up and we're just not going to do it at all. And I think that black and white thinking is something diet culture teaches us. And it drives me nuts because I'm like, no, like we want to be in the gray. Like we want to not be in the extremes of black and white. We want to be in this like gentle gray zone. And so Sarah, that's what I'm hearing. You're like, you're like, I don't know, Serena, maybe it's not three days a week. Like who cares? Like I might take a rest day. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Like I I love that response where you're like, I'm just listening to my bod and we're working as a team. And I think a big part of it is like each of us deep down, we know what is best for our body that day, but we ignore it and we suppress those things. And so when you just suppress, 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 your body will react in one way or another. Like it starts as a whisper and it ends up being a scream when you don't allow it to you know, kind of dictate what you need to do for that day. And so it's like, yeah, it's really easy sometimes to just ignore and suppress. But in our gut, we know what we actually need. And too often we're ignoring it for the sake of whatever it may be. So listen to that whisper so it doesn't get to a scream. (laughs) I really like that advice. That is super golden and valuable. Absolutely. That is the golden nugget of the the episode is listen to the whisper. And hey, worst thing that happens is you misunderstood it or then then you learn a lesson. You're like, oh, you know what? I thought I needed the extra rest day. I feel kind of restless. I actually should have gone for a walk that day. 
okay, cool. That's what you do next week. But like, this is how you get to this place where Sarah's like, usually it's three days a week strength, three days a week uh, lift or um, running, right? Like you figured that out, not because there's this like book for Sarah. It's because you just like experimented and realized for the most part, this is what feels good for me. A lot of trial and error. That's yeah. really- is you just kind of have to like play around with things. And I think being open to different things is really important for you. And just because your next door neighbor lifts for 60 minutes doesn't mean you need to lift for 60 minutes. We have to uh, customize everything to ourselves and not worry about, you know, oh my gosh, like I'm not doing enough. You're probably doing plenty and you're doing a good job. Just show up in the way that you need to show up. Yeah, I really like that. And I I feel like I'm like beating the dead horse here. But I want to just say like the person who's lifting 60 minutes isn't the better athlete than the person who's lifting 20 minutes, right? Like it is not an apples to apples comparison because we have different genetics. We have different stress loads. We have different goals. Like we have different types of weights that you're lifting. Like there is no like apples to apples comparison here. So like there's literally your, your next door neighbor's routine can teach you nothing about your body and what would work best for you. And I think that's the most important thing to learn when we're scrolling through Instagram and we see someone's like, you know, booty workout. You're like, hey, that doesn't mean it's going to do that for my booty. It's like completely different situations over here. Yeah, that I actually made a post about that recently. Like, you know, oh, if you do this exercise, you'll look this way, which is just a bunch of crap. Like Uh genetics, I think genetics are really under, they're not talked about enough. Like our genetic makeup makes such a big difference in so many different areas of our fitness and our needs individually. And so like remembering that, that what works for one doesn't work for all. It's, it's just super important. And I, if there's comparison, you know, it's really easy to compare on social media. And so if you find yourself repetitively um, comparing yourself to someone or multiple people in particular, you can mute them. You can unfollow them because it, at the end of the day, it's probably not serving you well. Yeah. Excellent, excellent advice. Um, Oh my goodness, Sarah. Okay, what a powerful episode. I just feel so happy that your girls have you for a mom because no matter what they see on social media, the woman that is raising them and probably their best role model is teaching them so many healthy habits. So they are so blessed to have you. I love to end the episode asking each of my guests um, a question that I think most women do not answer enough um, out loud and like share with the world. So Sarah, why do you love your body? I am resilient Mm. and I am strong. And for a long time, I didn't believe that. And now I see the things that I've overcome and that I work through and continue to work through. Um, I will get through them. And so I think when you remind yourself of that, it's super important. I love that. Resilient. That's a beautiful word. I really like that one. Um, Okay, my darling, thank you so much for your time today. How can people follow you, contact you, all the things? Share it with us. I am Sarah Kramer on all the channels. (laughs) Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. I am Sarah Kramer. Awesome. 
Awesome. And we'll have it linked in the show notes as well. Thank you, Sarah. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks so much, Serena. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Dear RunnerBot. If you enjoyed what you heard, remember to subscribe and make sure you share today's episode. Also, if you're looking to download a free three-step guide to love your runner's bod, then head to serenamarierd.com. Can't wait to chat with you next week.